Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Delroy was concerned he was facing cancer surgery. Hi. No, I'm not Carmen. I'm Paul filling in today. Actually, all week long, Carmen is on vacation with her family down in uh, down in Florida, down in Orlando area. So I'll be your host this week here on Mornings with Carmen. Back to uh, Delroy. Now, if you're wondering, who's Delroy? Well, Del- Delroy was a science professor that I, I had the fortune of uh, having a class with at Northwestern College in the Twin Cities back in the early 90s, now the University of Northwestern, which is Faith Radio's parent company. Yeah, I was a student in the early 90s, and although my major was in Bible and social sciences, you know, you had to take your general eds, right, Ryan? You were there, too. You went to Northwestern. They are a part of it, correct. There it is, yes. And so I had to take the general ed's, even though in high school I loved the hard sciences. And Delroy, he was a fun professor. Lots of energy, very loving, and it was hard not to enjoy being in his class. Then the C word came up. He had to have surgery to remove part of his outer ear because it had become infected with cancer. And while I'm sure he... uh, if he had faced this in the you know in the modern day in 2023, they, they would have handled it differently. But this was around 1990. Things were different. Now, when we talk about the C word, even today, that word cancer can stop us in our tracks. There's lots of fear, lots of uncertainty in dealing with this merciless enemy. So, what do you say to someone facing uncertainty? At the time, I was taking the class. I had another class, you know, going for my Bible degree, and I was going through the book of Isaiah with another professor, and one word came to mind in that class. So a few days before Delroy was to have surgery, I told him that one word, Emmanuel. (laughs) Delroy smiled wide. He said that was the reassurance he needed, Emmanuel. Yeah, we hear that name, that word a lot during the Advent and Christmas season, first uttered in the book of Isaiah during a time of great fear and uncertainty. The small nation of Judah was facing threats from its kindred nation of Israel and the nation of Syria. They were seeking to take over Judah. Now, the king of Judah at the time was a man named Ahaz, and although Ahaz was of the kingly line of David... Um, you know, David, who, he, God promised that David's line would endure, but Ahaz feared for his kingdom and for himself. And in that fear, where did he turn? No, not to God. He turned to alliances with other nations instead of trusting God to fulfill his promises. Into this, the prophet Isaiah was told by God to confront Ahaz regarding his unfaithfulness. How? To invite the king, to ask for a sign of God's faithfulness. In fact, God, through Isaiah, said, hey, think big. Let it be as deep as Sheol, as high as heaven. And if God were to invite you to to such a test, what would you do? (laughs) Would you take him up on that? Ahaz, in what may sound on the surface like humility and kind of holiness, was anything but. He made the 
he made it sound biblical. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord, my God, to the test. Actually, he didn't put my God in there. He just, I will not put the Lord to the test. After all, Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, right? little side note, Deuteronomy 6.16 has more to do with putting God's patience to the test or trying to manipulate God to do what was against his will and, uh, and his far better judgment. That's not the case here. God is wanting to encourage Ahaz. Hey, trust me. I'm for you. I will keep my promise to your forefather, David. So Ahaz, in refusing to test God, was failing. But God was undeterred. You want to ask? I'll give you one anyway. That's where our Growing Your Faith verse comes in today. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Here is one of those signs, these prophecies of God that have multiple fulfillments, two of them in this case. For Isaiah, in that day, married a maiden prophetess. She immediately had a son. And here's one of those fun names of the Bible, Maharshalel Haspaz. So the maiden did bring forth a child. And as the prophecy went on, before that young boy was, you might say, hit the terrible twos, those two nations attacking Judah would be dealt with by Assyria. That happened. That was what God promised would happen. Now, back to the name Emmanuel. Remember, God said, ask for a sign. Make it as deep as Sheol, as high as heaven. And when the king said he wouldn't, God gave him a sign and a promise deeper than Sheol, higher than heaven. He gave himself the promise of his presence. Like many of the Old Testament signs, there's another fuller meaning to it. Fast forward about 750 years, the Jews under the oppression of the Romans, the world is not like it should be. They are longing for Messiah's, God's appointed and anointed king to free them. They longed for him for centuries. That time had finally arrived. And not only did he send a man to be king, God sent his son, the second person of the Trinity, to earth to become a man. So when the Virgin Mary bore Jesus, she could rightly say, he is Emmanuel. He is God himself with us. So like I told Elroy, who gave his life to Jesus years ago, even amid the uncertainty and fear that he was facing with the cancer surgery, hey, God has not abandoned you. God is with you. Yes, God is with us. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in and... Did you hear about this? There's a company out there, a a startup company, that says they want to develop a headband device that you can wear while you're sleeping. So it would it's designed to induce lucid dreaming so the wearer becomes aware that they're asleep and then can control their experiences and even do work in their sleep. It I, I don't get into the science, but the idea here. Here you are trying to rest. You have this device in your head so you can do work, do some problem solving of some sort. It's like rest has become a burden. You know, yeah, let's work more. Even during our sleep, let's work. Is rest a burden? Wait a minute. God gave us rest as a gift. Rest every night from the day's toil. He offers a one-day Sabbath rest of the week. Rest in our, we, we can rest in our salvation because it's in Christ. But, we have become increasingly hard-pressed to open that gift of rest. 
Dave Buring from Lionshare will join me shortly as we look at, and hopefully during this Christmas season or beyond, we unwrap this gift of rest that God offers. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in. This is Faith Radio. Uh, Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house not a creature was stirring. Yeah, right, except for Dad assembling a bike, and Mom doing the same with a Hot Wheels trike. The cards that were meant to be sent out will be late, and they still haven't put the cookies on the plate. Okay, yeah, we... The Christmas season and our lives are just busy, aren't they? (laughs) And yet God calls us to rest. Joining me right now, David Buring from Lionshare. Dave, hopefully you're having a good Christmas season, getting some rest in there. I'm getting there. We're we're still uh, we're still um, getting the bikes together and the cookies out, and we're still in that process. But uh, well, you don't I, want the cookies uh, to be too stale. No, exactly. But starting uh, this weekend, we'll get to unplug a little bit, enjoy family, and good and uh, meditate more on the holiday there you go okay uh your latest podcast at lionshare.org talks about the gift of rest and you start out by talking about how restless rest less we are it's pretty mm-hmm. bad for us yeah it's uh i think i think when you talk about this subject it's easy to get people's attention because we all long for it you know it's part of the time thing it seems like time is even more valuable than money for most of us these days because we just feel you know on the edge dr richard swenson paul who wrote a book margin a couple decades ago Mm -hmm. it is still very you know it's um, a classic it is a classic and he starts out by saying this so this will make all of us tired as we begin but he says we are overloaded with activities change choices commitments competition debt decisions education expectations fatigue hurry information media ministry noise people pollution possessions problems technology traffic waste and work i'd say he captures that pretty good (laughs) and that was 20 years ago when social media didn't even exist (laughs) exactly yeah exactly and, you know, he calls margin or, you know, as we we're talking about rest, but, but his language here is how do you create margin? Because he basically in his book says we should be functioning at about 85 to 90 percent as the norm. So we always have 10 to 15 percent in reserve. So when we need to sprint in life, it's there. Mm-hmm. And so he calls margin the space between our load and our limits. Mm. It's the amount allowed beyond what is needed. So it's one of the things that I think, you know, like I would say 95 out of a hundred times when I'm talking to people, they will look at me and say, I'm, I'm like using this kind of percentage. They said, I'm at 110%. There's no way I'm at 85 or 90. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want you to, I want you to read uh, his marginless uh, thought there. Uh, David, Dr. Richard Swenson, he, he nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Marginless is being 30 minutes late to the doctor's office because you were 20 minutes late getting out of the hairdresser because you were 10 minutes late dropping the kids off at school because the car ran out of gas two blocks from a gas station before you forgot your purse because you forgot your purse. <laughs> and and that and that's it, right? It starts 
it starts the domino effect. We mm-hmm. know one thing, you know, just starts rolling with other things. And the next thing you know, you have a pile on top of you. And, you know, we try by our 24 hour rhythms of going to bed at night to have a restart. But, but oftentimes that day was so backlogged it has spilled over to today. Ah, uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, you mentioned sleep, and there's um, John Mark Homer, who we really love here at Faith Radio. He had he was pointing out, I think it was him, that um, we are sleeping less now than say, like you know, humans were a year, a century ago, because we're so busy. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. And then you add in things like um, social media. Like one of the stats was interesting, Paul. The average American, so this is the average American spends 705 hours on social media each week, which is 13 and a half hours a week. Yeah. Or each year, sorry, yeah. which translates to 13 and a half hours a week. Like Boy. just just think of where that adds in. This this one, I I actually did some more research on this because the number seemed almost unbelievable to me, but it mm-hmm. was accurate. The average iPhone user touches his or her phone. 2,617 times a day. Hey, I'm above average and want something here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because and, and so I thought, what does touch me? It's everything from picking it up to look at it, to swiping, to opening, to scrolling, yeah. to in all that. And yeah, it's just, you, you realize that our lives are so very different than what people were experiencing, you know, even 10 years ago. But then when you look at 50 to 100 years ago, Mm. It's just unbelievable what we have to carry. The nasty part is, it's like we, and you bring this out in your message too, we kind of celebrate it. And it used to be when somebody said, hey, how are you doing? We'd say, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Now yeah. it's it's busy as a new fine. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, that's it's true. I mean, when you ask people, how are you? It, it used to be, you know, we instead of just saying, well, actually, you know, it's just fine. But like more often than not, and I find myself saying the same thing when people just ask and i'm just being really honest i'll just say the word i'll use is full the plate is a lot is pretty full these days you know Mm -hmm. and and there's something to this that we have to discover as disciples of jesus that there's a balance and that god actually thought about it ahead of time again we're talking with dave buring from lion share and talking about opening not just during the christmas season but in our lives the gift of rest and as we continue we're going to look at the fourth commandment and really, I think it's more of an invitation than anything else, not a command. But we'll look at that in just a few moments. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen. This is Faith Radio. You've heard it said that it only takes a spark to get a fire going. You've also heard it sung, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Well, what about hope? What about hope? What does it take to get hope sparked? And what does it take to get hope moving around the world? I got a hope hat. I got a hope shirt. I got a hope bumper sticker. I know a ministry of hope. I know people who need hope. But how do we actually give hope beyond bumper stickers and theme songs and ball caps? How do we help other people discover the hope that is real, substantial, and enduring? My guess is one reason you listen to this podcast is, well, it delivers hope. So as you're thinking about giving gifts this Christmas, have you considered giving others the gift of hope? You can give hope this season by supporting Faith Radio's Give Hope for Christmas campaign by sharing your story of hope at MyFaithRadio.com because hope begets hope. Pass it on. Okay, how'd you sleep last night? (laughs) I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in. Carmen's on vacation. She's getting some rest right now, Dave. 
with her family down in Orlando. So I guess that means I have to work a little harder. So <laughs> anyway, never mind, never mind. Okay, we're talking, though, about opening the gift of rest God has for us. As we think about the things we can open up, uh, presents during this, a lot of people would love to open up rest, and yet that's the invitation God has for us. And so let's go, and I, I know we, we call it the Ten Commandments. It's actually, okay, first off, it's called the Ten Words. If you go back to the original language, not the Ten Commandments, it was the Ten Words from God. And one of those words is the invitation of rest. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. and in those words, it's really um, wisdom, right? It's really God's wisdom to us as human beings and how to function. So if we can move away from them, yes, they are the laws of God, but we have to realize that they're really words of wisdom for us as human beings in light of the creator who made us like he knows this is good for you N- these things not so much and so that fourth commandment that paul you're referring to let me just read it it says remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work you your son your daughter your male servant female servant or your livestock or the sojourner kind of the guest the visitor who's within your gates For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is Exodus 20 verses 8 to 11. But the first appearance of the Sabbath is right there in the creation story, Mm -hmm. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. And it, it says that God rested from all his work in light of creation. And, and I want us to realize that it's, and we know this, right, about God's character. He didn't rest because he was exhausted. No. He rested really to take in all that he had created. You know, it's kind of like the artist that on the palette there is something has been created and they just step back and look at it. Or, you know, Paul, if you've done a extremely well radio show that you just thought, man, everything clicked, everything went well, and you just kind of take that Well, that'll back. happen one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> and And you can just enjoy and take it in and rest and so that rest is is related not to just exhaustion that we have but it's rest with some purposefulness to it Mm. expand upon that because again you you start out when you were talking about this this god is our creator gives us these 10 words 10 commandments these 10 words these that's what decalogue means 10 words these this wisdom to us because he knows us we're his creation Yeah. Yeah. And somehow, you know, it's like, you know, if you, if you dive deeper into this, Paul, it's, we have to ask the question, why? Yes. And, and, and for some of us, the why is I've got to pay the bills and that's why, you know, busy, busy, busy. Um, other times to be really honest, there's the fear of missing out. <laughs> there is, um, insecurities that, you know, buttons that can get press like like i wonder how much of our pursuit of stuff has to do with a subtle comparing with neighbors or those in our lives and so we have to work to keep up and mm-hmm. and there's that dynamic so so i think this sabbath thing really goes to something much more practical and real inside of us that exposes like why are we running around like chickens with our head cut off like what's going on here because um, we're, there's not restorativeness, there's not refueling. And so we yeah. end up living and leading and relating to people out of exhaustion rather than 
being refueled. Mm. There, you just mentioned something there, and it caught my. It brought to mind to me at a conversation Carmen had some time ago with Kelly Capick. Oh, one of his recent books was talking about. I wish I could remember the title: our creatureliness and the fact we're not meant to be living at one hundred and ten percent all the time. We yes. we need that. Uh, that buffer. I think it's your only human. I think it's something like that. Um, but uh, the book title. But we oftentimes push ourselves. And then again, you're right. We don't sit back and rest, I guess, and take in like yeah. God. Look what, what has been done through his grace. And it, yeah. 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 And and I think there's a, one of the things that I think is important to underscore here is that like in creation itself, like before the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. were given to Moses many, many years later, God expressed this. This was a, a normal part of his creation process was he built in on the seventh day rest. And and of course, the Pharisees and scribes and those who were kind of the keepers of the law, but I think the intention was right. They were trying to help people not accidentally slip out of honoring the Sabbath. But but what happened is the focus became so much on the outward oh, yeah. rather than the heart of it that that you had you had ridiculous things like Paul, you couldn't spit on the Sabbath <laughs> because they 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 said it's actually work. Well the rationale behind it is when you spit and it lands in the dirt, it moved the dirt so it was actually plowing. Mm. And you're going, what? Uh, you could not swat a fly because you'd be guilty of hunting. I mean, this is real stuff. A woman could not look at her reflection in a mirror because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pluck it, which would be mm. work. <laughs> okay, good intentions. We have a tendency as humans to kind of mess up things like that. I, okay, we're talking with uh, Dave Buring again from Lineshare, and I encourage you, if you have time, to find his podcast at lineshare.org about the gift of rest. And, you know... As you're describing this and you were describing the Pharisees, I kept thinking, too, about, uh, you know, the, if you have ever read Little House on the Prairie, I forgot which book it was in of the series, but it was talking about a Sabbath practice. And it got to the point of, okay, you can't do this. You can't play on, mm-hmm. the you know, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Are we taking it too far? We do that too often. Yeah, and because the, the spirit of it is it's the word recreating, Mm. you know, which where we get the word recreating. And the idea is what are the things that refuel you? And, and, you know, as people that kind of live in the world today, it's like as followers of Jesus, those living under the new covenant is the new Testament is referred to. It's not the expectations as much to live under Israel's laws of the Sabbath, but it is taking the wisdom and enjoyment of these God-given words and apply these to our lives because there's still wisdom in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think oftentimes, again, because of just busy, and then when you when you get in behind things and you're, ch- I guess the word I like is chasing, you're chasing things until you catch up, which can we just be honest, you never really fully do. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know, you're you're just running out of exhaustion. And that's where we need to go back and realize that from the very beginning, God knew us, understand us, knows that we're these little tiny creations with flesh, blood, and bones that will wear out and only live a certain span of life. And because he knew that, 
He said, I want you to build in rhythms, regular rhythms in your life of rest and restoration. Mm. Okay. I got to admit, I several years ago, I really – I justified it by because I was heavily in debt because of family situations and such. We were just heavily in debt. And mm-hmm. and so I got to the point where I'm working my full-time job with Northwestern Media. I had a part-time job working for you know a retail store. Um, and then anytime I could also pick up a little side hustle here and there, I was doing that. I did this for several years, like five years or so. Yeah. I was working basically every day of the week. And I was probably doing like 65 hours a week, and I had no margin. Now, God was gracious. I won't say he honored that. I was able to get my debt paid down. He was gracious and not from what I can tell. Um, But I'll tell you, it took a lot out of me. Okay, in your your podcast, you talk uh, kind of a case example because, in a sense, I wasn't trusting God in this area. You yeah, talk about it, Trude Cathy and him trusting God on the rest principle. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think a way to look at this whole thing, Paul, is just like tithing is an expression of trusting the Lord with our finances. I think if we can realize that honoring the Sabbath is a way of trusting the Lord with our time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think a great illustration uh, is Chick-fil-A. And it's a very interesting thing. So there was a article in something called the Food Institute. It's not a magazine that I tend to read, but in my research for this message, I saw this in August of 2023. And um, it talks about this. It it, it says that Chick-fil-A's steady but rapid growth is actually unrivaled. Uh, It has 2,837 stores and the brand generated $18.8 billion in the U.S. in Mm. 2022. Wow. And so here's what somebody says about this. He said, to put it plainly, no restaurant brand in like the top 50 has come this far this quickly. This is what the the authors of this article are saying. And they said, Chick-fil-A only trails McDonald's and Starbucks in system-wide results, despite the fact that McDonald's and Starbucks have 10,000 and 13,000 more U.S. stores respectively. Mm. And then the the point he makes is this, and Chick-fil-A isn't even open on Sundays. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and the reality is, is the truth behind this is not only, hey, I want my employees to have a day to rest and, you know, but he also wanted to give them opportunity to worship on that day as they mm-hmm. chose. And yeah. and it's amazing to see how God has honored that. It's a very public display of honoring the Sabbath. So basically, God wants you to rest and he will bless that. Yes. So he'll make up the difference. <laughs> All right, David, thank you again for uh, joining us, and hopefully we, during not just the Christmas season but beyond, will unwrap this gift of rest. Dave Buring from Lionshare. Uh, find the podcast we were talking through um, and his notes, too, at lionshare.org. Thanks again, Dave, for joining us. Thanks. Merry Christmas, Paul. And Merry Christmas to you. Again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in this week. We're 14 days away from Christmas, 21 days until we flip the calendar into 2024. I tell you, 2023 is quickly winding down, and at the risk of using the word unprecedented again, 
It has been an interesting, unprecedented year from many angles. Political turmoil continues as a former president several, ha, faces several legal challenges, as does our sitting president and his family facing legal challenges. Abortion continues to play a factor in state politics, including last month a ballot initiative in Ohio that essentially will make abortion on demand a constitutional right in that state. Meanwhile, down in Texas... The Texas Supreme Court pushed the pause button on a lower court's ruling over the weekend, allowing a Dallas-area woman to terminate the life of her unborn child despite the state's new laws restricting access to the procedure. Kate Cox, she's a mom of two, sued for an exemption to the state's restriction after learning her unborn baby was at high risk of Edwards syndrome, a genetic disorder. The condition causing severe developmental issues, major, and uh, the majority of those diagnosed lose, you know, will we'll die and the babies will die in pregnancy. Roughly 50% uh, carried to term survive, but only a handful of them survive past 12 months. That's hard. Okay. What does it mean to be pro-life from conception to natural death in cases like this? We're going to talk about that with Adam Carrington and more as we continue here on Mornings with Carmen for this Monday here on Faith Radio. All right, you need a little hope this Christmas, needing a little extra, because, I don't know, maybe this has just been a hard year. We'd like to encourage you in these days leading up to Christmas. Text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. Every couple of days, we'll send some encouragement. We'll be praying for you. So again, text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen. And joining me now, one of our favorite regular guests here on Mornings with Carmen, uh, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. And I, I'm going to say it again, Adam, I wish you would get yourself like a Substack blog and just blog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, it would give one place where I think all the, the ramblings I, I, I do uh, maybe could be together, but uh, that, that maybe, maybe that should be a New Year's resolution. I, I like that. I like that. You have my uh, you have mine and Carmen's endorsement because we both mentioned it on occasion. So anyway, as I was talking about a little while ago, there's a situation down in Texas, a woman who has a child that may have Edwards syndrome, which tends to be very lethal to the child. Um, the prognosis is generally not very good. Um, the uh, a lower court there gave her, you know, an exemption so she can get an abortion in a state, which is a relatively an extremely pro-life state, I guess, looking at the states in the United States right now. And then the Supreme Court of, this, of Texas, the state Supreme Court, put a pause on that lower court ruling. Now, let's talk about this because, again, as pro-life Christians, from conception to natural death, how do you help us reason through a situation where there is a woman where the child may not live? Yeah, and this is a heartbreaking situation no because question. obviously she she wants to have children. Mm-hmm. There there are concerns. I mean, there's some debate about how extensive the concerns about how this could affect her physically and and future children that she might want to have as well. And so none of that should be diminished. Um I think that our preparation though for this discussion really comes from the discussions we've had for a while about end-of-life issues when usually with elderly people or per- people in with severe illnesses or, uh, well, and this would be a situation like that too, um, 
oh, you know, what what does it mean to respect life, even in really tragic, hard circumstances? And I think that there is, uh, it's not always the clearest line in every instance, but a line between actively causing the death of another and allowing life naturally to end. Uh, and I think that one of the things to think about with this that, that, that that's hard is, um, you know, we certainly don't judge the value of someone's life whether they'll live 20 years or 10 years or 50 years or 100 years. Um, and that we can see that uh, people and God uses and, and, and makes use of and uh, uh, people who, are, who only live here for a short time. And so I think one question would be, if this child is able to live even for a short period of time outside the womb, you know what? What does God intend for that child's life, however brief? How can that child be loved? How can that child um, help others? How can God work through that child? And that's, I think, ultimately for Christians, one thing to ask about this case. However tragic, um, what does God intend for that child's life, however brief? And are we right to actively try to end that life shorter than it would be naturally. Mm. I, I guess in one respect, and this is going to be crazy to ask a political scientist like you are this question, but is this one of those areas where our politics and political argumentation gets in the way? I think it gets in the way in that it, it abstracts and therefore dehumanizes it, even though that people will use very human language. But it becomes a bit of a proxy for the left winning or the right winning or Joe Biden or Donald Trump winning or, um, you know, some some something along those lines where in this case you have a, 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 a tragedy uh, almost regardless. And um, you, you have to, as Christians, um both seek justice and do so mercifully and a kind of merciful justice has to i think understand and do its best to 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 weep with the mother uh even if she's wanting to terminate the life of her own child uh but to understand some of the reasons why she might come to that conclusion but also i think seek the protection of what life uh, a child can have uh, and that kind of nuance and that kind of attempt to um, love justice and love the person uh, isn't very conducive to our, our, our current politics. And I think in some ways, not just dehumanizes the child, which I think the left can do, but can dehumanize the mother herself, which mm. I think some on the right could be in danger of doing if they're not careful in how they approach this. Mm. Well, okay, this brings us to the question. Now, as a professor, you have students who hopefully will, some of them, I'm sure, for, even from Hillsdale, go on to become pastors. How do you? Th how are you in what you're doing, equipping um, these future pastors, equipping us to have these conversations? Right. I think specifically for those who might go into the ministry, and we absolutely have uh, a number of students that do that. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not the central preparer for them. It's it's the the ministers they study under in church. It's seminary. It's 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 other things. However, um, I think that 
the idea that God is, as I've said other times on the show, the God of history, mm-hmm. and he is the creator of human beings. He is the establisher and ordainer of governments, and that he does so for a purpose of helping us to love each other better uh in in a, in a more orderly way in a more systematic way and, and under law the law is really a manifestation of love if law is done rightly uh and i think that helping those who are either going into ministry or those who are just in their own lay uh, uh lay capacity doing so to help others in their churches or in their communities uh the the little contribution i i hope i can make is to say that um you know scripture and the character of god comes to bear on how we treat each other by law how we treat each other through government how we live in political communities and that we can't in that forget the image of god in each other we can't forget god's sovereignty over history and that we need to bring all of those things together in a way that when you're ministering to people who are hurting or angry at the government or angry at society, uh, uh, maybe I can give them at least some context to see God working in that, mm-hmm. and then they can maybe bring the gospel to bear on that, that it is it is in Christ that um, all things are made new, including our communities and our laws together. All right. We're talking with Adam Carrington, a, a political science professor at Hillsdale, oftentimes uh, writes at uh, the World News Group. You can find uh, several of his articles there. Now, this isn't one of your articles, but this came from World News Group, uh, news about World Vision, the ministry, and they're in a hiring kerfluffle. Uh, kind of give us what's happening there, because we're talking about the law again, and again, a ministry when it comes to hiring people that will represent the ministry well. Right. And so World Vision, a Christian humanitarian uh, group, a longstanding Christian humanitarian group, and they had given an offer to a woman uh, to be uh, to, to work for them uh, and to do some office administrative duties, but also I think some working with donors and other things. And they found out that she was uh, in a, a, a same-sex marriage. And they rescinded the offer because they said that she would be uh, involved in ministry-like activities, and that that was against their 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 uh, their beliefs and their mission statement. Um, and I will say, by the way, World Vision did this about ten or fifteen years ago with one person that denied the existence of the Trinity and another that denied the deity of Christ. So this is mm-hmm. not something that they only do on questions of, of, right. of Christian ethics and sexuality, just to, to sometimes people think that that's all that, that, that that's coming up here. So um, the, the legal uh, part of it has gotten messy because a judge at one point sided with World Vision and said they have uh, a sort of exception uh, kind of ministerial autonomy and a ministerial exception to hire and fire people according to their beliefs that that we as judges won't step in on. He then came back later, changed his mind. The judge changed their mind. That was said, weird. No, yeah, and and that's not unheard of, but it is very rare, very rare for that to happen. And basically said, no. Um, Yes, uh, uh, groups get an exception to discrimination or, 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 or not hiring or firing people based on their 
uh, based on religious convictions. If there's a di difference over religious beliefs, you cannot hire someone for that reason if you're a religious organization. But then argued that her job, which was that was not essentially ministerial, uh, that it was more clerical, that it was more office based. And therefore, that she uh, it was it was just pure discrimination to do so. So, how the the real question here is going to be how broadly the final decision, however far up it goes, how far uh, or Christian organizations who are believing things, affirming things, contrary to maybe the prevailing winds of our own time and place, what autonomy do they have? to uh you know a, a, poli a personnel is policy you know <laughs> yeah. uh, is, um the people that are representing them that are speaking for them that are conveying themselves to the outside world uh what control does an organization a christian organization have over that and the extent of that is really at stake in how this case plays out. Mm -hmm. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. We're talking again with Adam Carrington, a political scientist from Hillsdale College. When we continue, I'm going to ask him to put on the political scientist hat one more time here as we look back at 2023. And I want to get his thoughts <laughs> in what has been, I, okay, Adam, I'm going to use the word, unprecedented. <laughs> so anyway, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Faith Radio. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Okay, a lot of people looking back as we're winding down 2023, you know, they're best movies, best songs, or whatever. And also, of course, looking at some of the news headlines. And it has been a rather interesting year. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen. This is Faith Radio. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College joining us. And, okay, Adam, put on that political scientist hat firmly. And let's think about 2023. What, what jumped out at you from the uh, political science side that just, I don't know, your thoughts on 2023? <laughs> And yes, there's a lot that has certainly gone on. I could talk about the Speaker of the House kerfluffles that can some ways book almost book into the year. Uh, the wars overseas, Ukraine continuing, the Israel-Hamas war that continues to go on. Uh, big Supreme Court cases on affirmative action and religious liberty. So, so lots of things generally, or specifically, I should say, but uh, generally, I think that 2023 politically continued to be a trend where um, a lot of our politics was not focused on principles and ideals as much as personal affiliations and loyalties. Um, and that's always been there, but it's become outsized. And mm -hmm. I think that that has been detrimental to our politics. And I think also uh, you see an increasing number of people in our culture who see politics or cultural issues close to politics almost as a kind of religious identifier without mm. calling it religious. And that's been pre prevalent more on the left, but I think it's becoming more so among some elements of the right as well. And so I think those elements, um, neither are particularly positive but also neither are unreversible. Uh, and so I think that looking at how we see ourselves and therefore how we see each other and how uh, politics and other things like that has maybe come to not just be something very important, but the most important thing, 
is 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 not a great development no. and i think that's part of the personal identity part where uh it has kept us from maybe uh finding the kind of agreement we need on on significant issues so i think the need for christian wisdom has only gotten more complex this year and more in need of 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 just prayerfully saying how can you be salt and light in a situation that has changed fairly drastically since say 30 40 50 years ago especially mm-hmm. and as we look at next year 2024 being an election year we can only i guess the expectation is things could be worse but okay adam you just brought up how people are taking politics almost to a religious level and here we are in the advent season 14 days away from christmas the advent message actually speaks into our situation right now, and I want you to talk about that. Sure. And the thing I think to remember about Advent is that it's not speaking about one event, but two. Hmm. It is speaking of the inbreaking of God's kingdom in Jesus Christ being incarnated, born, living his perfect life, dying, rising again, but that It also is meant to be us looking forward to Jesus' second coming the way ancient Israel looked forward to his first coming. And I think the way that 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 helps is it it means we live in a kind of in-between time. Um, The kingdom of God has already broken in in a radical way, and it is already working in the world. Christ is working in the world through his spirit and that means that there is the chance for 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 uh, for good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's peace with God that is through Christ. There is the chance through peace with God to seek peace among ourselves, to seek justice among ourselves. Um, but that can get utopian very quickly, and it can cause disillusionment. I think that's what people don't always realize about. Uh, trying to create heaven on earth is it creates disillusionment just as much as thinking that you can do nothing on earth can create disillusionment. So what we then have to look forward to is that second advent that, mm-hmm. that as, as the kingdom has broken in, so it will be finally consummated in the second coming of Christ. And that, um, that we can look forward to the new heavens and new earth as that perfect realization of justice, where the very heavy, hard things we've been talking about on these segments um, are, are become just a memory Yeah, uh, that every tear gets wiped away. And, and, and in that we can have the confidence in Christ's first advent to seek good in the world and love God and love our neighbor. And we can look forward and hope to the second advent that in the end, the final accomplishment of that is not our work, but God's work. And I think that can be a way to make sense of a tragic world, but to have hope in the world that we have in even now mm. uh, in 2023. And so we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And <laughs> soon. Yeah. Adam, thank you so much. Uh, this is the last ch- chance we have to talk to you in 2023, but we look forward to continuing the conversation with you in 2024. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you so much. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen, helping you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And I think Adam would agree with this. As we head into 2024, with everything going on, we need to be in the Word more deeply than ever. So 
go to MyFaithRadio.com. I want to encourage you in 2024, plan out reading in the Bible, maybe even reading the Bible in its totality. We have various reading plans available at MyFaithRadio.com. So as you're looking again at 2024, we hope you get God's Word into you, or you get into the Word so God's Word gets into you and helps you apply the mind of Christ to what's going on in the world. Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. Another hour is straight ahead. I'm Paul filling in. Remember, if you like these conversations, share them with others. The podcasts are available, or at least will be, uh, this show later on, but all our podcasts are available at MyFaithRadio.com as well as a lot of the major platforms, Spotify and, and uh, you know, Apple Podcasts and such. Yeah, listen again, share it with others, or get, if you miss any show, hey, you guys can go back and listen to all our, all our great conversations. More on the way in a moment. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.